It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Today's episode of the Lockdown Reds podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All of the parts that your car will ever need are at rockauto.com. And when you're there, tell them Lockdown sent you. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, there you go. The Cincinnati Reds took care of business last night and disposed of the Pirates 14 to 1. Welcome in to the Lockdown Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr. I'm your host, talking about the Reds every single day as we look at this win. Hey, another win. In fact, I looked back and I had a episode titled Reds Beat the Pirates by Scoring 14 Runs early on this season. They did it again. We're going to talk about that here today. Going to talk a little bit. I've got some uh, curious thoughts about Shogo Akiyama, and we're going to preview tonight's matchup between Jeff Hoffman and JT Brubaker. Before we get to all of that, though, make sure that you are following the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Lockdown Reds and save the Lockdown Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. Make sure to get those questions, comments, reactions in ahead of this Friday's Jeff's Junk Mail segment. Also, tomorrow on the podcast, Bronson Arroyo returns. I've talked to him a number of times. We've had a lot of great conversations in the past. If you want to go back through the archives and check those out, but we are going to be looking at his first experience in the radio booth with Tommy Thrall this past weekend. They they did so in Cleveland. Apparently it was supposed to happen in 2020, but mm, COVID. So yeah, that didn't happen. But it was his first chance. He sounded like a grizzled radio vet. Dude was awesome. Can't wait to talk to him. That's going to be on tomorrow's podcast. Bronson Arroyo will join me. I am very excited about that. I hope you tune into that as well. But let's get into today's podcast. All right, Monday night, the Reds did exactly as they needed to, and they put a bunch of runs on the board. 14 to 1. The Reds beat the Buckos. Uh, Mitch Keller disposed of pretty early. In, in fact, to be honest with you, the first couple of innings of this game weren't concerning, but they were a little like, all right, Reds, 
stop toying around here. Stop messing with it. Just uh, get this win. Don't, don't, don't play. I mean, we, we, we talked with Ethan Smith before the series started from Lockdown Pirates, and he said, I'll be honest with you, this is the perfect team to play, the, being the Pirates, if your team is in need of getting right, of getting their confidence back, whether it be in the lineup, on the pitching side, whatever have you. And the first couple of innings really looked like the Reds were just going to let the Pirates be in the game. Tyler Malley started, which, by the way, I, I was a little confused. I, I looked at the at-bat app yesterday morning, and according to that, Jeff Hoffman was the probable starter yesterday. but And Tyler Malley was the Game 2 probable starter. But that flipped. Tyler Malley pitched last night, and early on, Malley was just kind of, he was pitching timidly, I would say. And Cowboy said it on the radio broadcast. He's just like, he he isn't challenging the hitters. And this Pirates lineup, if you're not going to challenge this lineup, you're not going to challenge anybody. The Pirates don't have their main three hitters. I, I would say, looking at this roster, that Key Brian Hayes, Colin Moran, and uh, Gregory Polanco, regardless of his stats early on this year, are the Pirates' three main hitters. And you could probably throw Brian Reynolds in there as well. He was in the lineup. But uh, those three guys are out. You've got guys like Kai Tom, and you've got Jacob Stallings batting fifth, which, ironically, he was the only run in the game for the Pirates. He had a solo shot off Tyler Malley. But when I looked at Malley early on, I was worried because he was not. He, he was trying to nibble. He was trying to Houdini some strikeouts. And because of that, he got four walks early in this game. And you're wondering, what is going on? But then the Reds had their big inning, scoring six runs in the fourth inning. And that is when the game ended because that was the lead that was going to be unassailable for the Pirates. And Tyler Malley calmed down and started challenging hitters, and that is when he really started to dominate. It, it, it was nice to see. And then on the lineup side of things, everybody got hits. If you look up and down the box score, there isn't a single player on this uh, team that started the game that didn't get at least one hit, including Tyler Malley. Got his first career RBI last night. That was pretty phenomenal as well, but you had multi-hit days for Nick Senzel, Jesse Winker, Mike Moustakas, Tyler Naquin, Tucker Barnhart, and Kyle Farmer. They all had two hits apiece. Ethan Smith was right. It's a get-right kind of day, and I was loving Tucker Barnhart last night. Two doubles. He had two RBIs. He played really well. I mean, he always plays really well behind the plate, but in the first inning, Tyler Malley walked the leadoff hitter at the beginning, the bottom of the first, beginning of the game. He walks Adam Frazier, and you're like, what are you doing? The one way the Pirates are going to win any of these games is if you issue a lot of free passes, which we're going to talk about later on with Jeff Hoffman, but he walks the leadoff guy, and then he's falling behind in the count, two balls and no strikes, to Brian Reynolds, the number two hitter, and he throws a pitch that kind of gets away from Tucker. It, it caroms off his glove, rolls away to his right a little bit. And Adam Frazier thinks that that is the perfect time to steal second. 
while Tucker nabs the ball barehanded out of the dirt, fires a strike. It was like almost a blink of an eye, and the ball was in Kyle Farmer's glove, and Kyle Farmer was tagging Adam Frazier out. Tucker was phenomenal. Felt like that was kind of a moment. I know it's weird to say that the bottom of the first, the first out of the bottom of the first, was a big moment in the game, but it kind of felt like that was a moment where the Pirates might have started some kind of early rally, early momentum, and Tucker Barnhart was like, nah, nah, baba, nah, I got you, we're good. And he had a good game at the plate as well. Tyler Naquin, too, hit a home run, a three-run home run, and also had an RBI hit early on before that three-run home run. And we're going to talk about him here in just a minute because I think it's interesting what he is building and how that affects Shogo Akiyama. Before we talk about, though, I wanted to let you know, have, have you guys heard about sports trading? It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. This is amazing. Sports trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robin Hood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like real stocks. Finally, a fair and exciting way to cash in on your sports knowledge. Making money with sports trade is simple as player values rise and fall based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. The more points scored, the higher their value goes. Two is good old supply and demand, baby. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. Simply go to sportstrade.com, watch how it works, and then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. And I got a question for you. Do you like money? Do you like stuff? You say, Jeff, you're sounding a little materialistic there. But no, I'm talking about this brand new way that you could win cash reimbursements for debit purchases. I'm talking about Credit Karma Money. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements just for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchases reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back into your spend account. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions in terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Monday night's game had a couple of themes, but the biggest theme was runs, runs, and more runs. In fact, after scoring 14 runs last night, the Reds have scored 44 runs in their four games against the Pirates. That's phenomenal. And they've held Pittsburgh to just nine total runs in the four games. That is a absolute beatdown, and I hope it continues the rest of this season. But another theme on individual performances was, for me, Tyler Naquin. 
Tyler Naquin got moved up to fifth in the order. They bumped A. Eugenio Suarez to sixth in the batting lineup. He actually responded pretty well in his first at bat with a solo home run, although he kind of went quiet the rest of the night after that. Tyler Naquin turned in a multi-hit night. He was just a single and a triple shy of the cycle with a double and a homer. And he also had four RBIs. Just a fantastic night for Tyler Naquin. And that got me thinking. And I know that Shogo's only been off the injured list for a couple of days now, and he's not gotten a ton of playing time. And and David Bell has said that that is by design. He's trying to ease him into the season. Although he tried to ease Shogo into the 2020 season. Seems like he's treating Shogo with kid gloves. I mean, the guy's played baseball for a while in his life. It's not as if he's coming in like some spring chicken. But at the same token, I think that that is more of a polite way of saying Shogo is the Reds' fifth outfielder. Now, say what you will about making $7 million a year and he shouldn't be their fifth outfielder. Tyler Naquin has made it that way. Just the the surface statistics. In 104 plate appearances, Tyler Naquin's slash line is 278, 365, 578 for a 943 OPS if you're counting. Holy cow. Would you have thought that whenever the Reds brought him in on a, on a minimum deal that we were going to get anything out of Tyler Naquin? Apparently, and they were talking about this earlier on, like about two weeks ago, I think, is that Alan Zinter has changed his hitting approach. And there's a he's quicker to the ball. He was trying to, when he was in Cleveland anyway, he tried to stay back and let the ball get deeper into the strike zone before he would hit it. Allen Center changed that and said, no, 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 meet the ball in front of the strike zone. So when he swings, he's much quicker on it, and that has produced some amazing results. It's early, I know, but when you're looking at his baseball savant page, Tyler Naquin is just on fire. We're talking about top 10% in the league in pretty much everything that matters to the peripheral hitting statistics. His barrel percentage of 15.9, might as well be 16% barrels. Top 9% of the league, that is over double league average, and that's pretty much double his career average. He's on fire early on. Average exit velocity of 92.9. He is crushing the ball. I mean, all over the place. His expected slugging is actually right around where his slugging percentage is right now, which says that he's not getting cheated. He is a phenomenal hitter. And he's athletic and plays a mean center field. Dude is actually pretty solid out there in the field. And and I I love the fact that there's really not been a hole so far in his game. Obviously, he's batting a buck 18 against breaking balls. I don't know too many hitters that go too high unless you're like a Hall of Fame level hitter. Their their batting average isn't super high, but he makes his hay on fastballs. And and honestly, he doesn't see a lot of off-speed, but when he does... He crushes it, and he's not getting cheated either. He's got a 333 batting average against off-speed pitches. His expected batting average is 360. Tyler Naquin has been a revelation, and because of that, no, to no fault of Shogo's own, Shogo just had bad timing. 
He pulled his hammy late in spring training, and because of that, he missed out on a month's worth of playing time, a little over a month worth of games. And that is when Tyler Naquin has taken hold of the fourth outfielder spot and has just ran with it. And it's been kind of fortuitous. I mean, you hate saying that another player getting injured is a good thing, but with Joey Votto getting hurt, Tyler Naquin has been one of the guys who has benefited very much from that because he has seen the ability to play almost every single game because Nick Senzel plays second base now. And by the way, Nick Senzel looking really good at second base. I, I love him there. So I honestly think in the pecking order of 20, 2021, in the, the story that is this season currently, as the story is unfolding, Shogo now needs an injury or something to happen to get more playing time. That's not an indictment on him. That is just how good the rest of the outfield has been. Who do you set now to put Shogo Akiyama in the lineup? Because where we thought, okay, they could create some kind of lefty-righty platoon with Nick Senzel or maybe move Nick Senzel to second base and put Shogo in center field, that lefty platoon is gone because Tyler Naquin has absolutely grabbed the reins of this job. And I'm not looking at lineups and seeing Tyler Naquin in it and being like, oh boy, here we go. If you look at his baseball survival, it is just everything that is good. Like you red all over the place and red is good on baseball savant. That means that he is in the top percentage of lead in almost everything. And, and the one thing that you could probably say, yeah, He's got a 23% strikeout rate. That's a tick above league average at 21%. So you'd like to see that come down. But his walk rate of 10% is still higher than league average. And it's 4% higher than his career average. He has become, and and hopefully that this is a trend that continues. Because make no mistake about it, it is an early season trend. I'm not saying that we know something about Tyler Naquin. I'm saying that right now in the story of this 2021 season, Tyler Naquin has grabbed the reins of the fourth outfielder job, and it is now up to Shogo Akiyama to, in his much more truncated playing time, prove that he deserves the fourth outfielder spot. And I actually put a poll on the Lockdown Reds Twitter account about this. I said... Is Shogo Akiyama the fifth outfielder now? And 70 people have voted, and 86% of those people agree that Shogo Akiyama is the fifth outfielder. If you want to get in on that poll, it's at Lockdown Reds on Twitter. Make sure you follow that and follow my personal account as well, at Jeff Carr with three Fs, because we talk a lot during the game. We, we like to tweet, we like to start up conversations, what's going on, make observations, all that good stuff. And it's just fun. I'm not trying to be like a know-it-all or something like that because Lord knows I don't know nothing. But what I see from Tyler Naquin is he has taken the reins of that fourth outfielder spot. And when you're talking about a platoon in center field, if you think it's that way, then it's Nick Senzel and Tyler Naquin, not Shogo Akiyama. All right, coming up, I want to preview tonight's matchup between JT Brubaker and Jeff Hoffman, talking about two pitchers who are in different spots in their 2021 season. 
Before we get to that, though, I was looking at this game on betonline.ag, where you can set up your profile today with the promo code locked on to get 50% added onto your first deposit. But I was looking at this game, and they have the total set at eight runs for the game, with the over actually getting some value. The over is at plus 111. So, just for example, if you put $10 on the fact that the Reds and Pirates will combine for more than eight runs, and they do get nine runs, then you'll win $11.11. Or $11.10. That's right. $11.10. But it's a value. I urge you, go lock that in today and set up your profile with the promo code LOCKED ON to get 50% added onto your initial deposit. Bet Online has all of the best odds when it comes to Major League Baseball or if it's the NBA or if it's the NHL. And they also got reality TV, which I'd find kind of weird, but you can bet on all that stuff at betonline.ag. Set up your profile today, enter the promo code LOCKED ON, you'll get 50% added onto your initial deposit. That's Bet Online. Dot .ag and the promo code locked on After winning two touchdowns to uh, 1 point 14 to 1 on Monday night the Reds are looking to win the series tonight they send Jeff Hoffman to the hill to go up against JT Brubaker. Jeff Hoffman, uh, I mentioned this when I was talking about Tyler Naquin in the last segment. When you go to Baseball Savant, you'll see these colors. You'll see red and you'll see blue. Red, good. Blue, bad. Lots of blue on Jeff Hoffman's page. In fact, he's pretty low in just about everything when it comes to... um, uh, you know, exit average exit velocity allowed. The hard hit percentage of opposing hitters is expected batting average allowed, which is 299. His expected slugging is 527. He doesn't give a he doesn't uh, strike out a lot of people, and he gives up more than league average walks. So basically, what I'm saying is Jeff Hoffman needs a bounce back game. Hopefully, he can do that against this Pirates lineup. He's going to be opposed by a guy that if you uh, looked up his name on the Pirates roster, if you looked up his name amongst the MLB pitchers, elite, average, whatever group that you want to put him into, you're not going to pick his name at a lineup. The only thing you might say is, oh, hey, JT. Not a whole lot of JTs around anymore. JT Brubaker, however, has been pretty good. In fact, there's a lot of red in his profile. Namely, he does not walk people at all. 5.8% walk percentage. That's pretty darn good. Now, when you look at his expected slugging, 391 compared to Jeff Hoffman, JT Brubaker knows how to pitch. And when you kind of zero in, because the Reds have faced him earlier on this year, And it's going to confuse you because if you remember that start, he gave up four walks to the Reds. Make no mistake about it, his season total of walks is five. And the fifth walk that he gave up was in the second start of the season. He only pitched four innings against the Reds, but he only allowed three hits. The four walks was what kept his pitch count super high. He did allow just one earned run. He had six strikeouts on that game as well. He's calmed down quite a bit. In fact, he started against the Twins on April 23rd. Seven innings, five hits allowed, two earned runs. He did allow two homers, no walks, five strikeouts. 
game log wise looking pretty solid. But then when you zero on uh, zero in on what builds his pitching profile, he's got five pitches, and he actually the, the pitch he throws the most is his slider. He's got a slider, a sinker, a four seam fastball, a changeup, and a curveball. The curveball barely hits the strike zone. It's definitely a let's get guys chasing, let's throw it away, see if they swing at it type pitch. Meanwhile, his four-seamer is up in the zone, just like it should be, and it averages about 93 miles an hour. In fact, his sinker is a little bit higher. His his four-seam fastball is 92.8, his sinker is 93.4, and really the pitch that hitters crush is the changeup. He only throws it against lefties. He's thrown one changeup all year to a right-handed batter. The rest of them are against lefties, but lefties have crushed it to a tune of 300 batting average with a 418 expected batting average, so he's getting lucky with that changeup. So hopefully the Reds can zero in. They're going to load the lineup with lefties. We already know that. So hopefully they can make some hay against JT Brubaker because he's been pretty good this season. I mentioned that curveball. He kind of uses it just as a, as a strikeout pitch. He's got a 23% whiff rate on it. Does not allow any hits, though. So that that's a, uh interesting stat for Brubaker's curveball. But looking at this series, this is the one game that I was a little concerned about. Just because of Jeff Hoffman. I think the Reds can score against JT Brubaker. They can score a couple of runs and be all right. But what are we going to get out of Jeff Hoffman? Because his last couple of starts have been very uninspiring. And I think we all understand that when we pegged this season, we didn't really think that Jeff Hoffman was going to be a mainstay in the rotation. He's more of a temporary spot start kind of guy. But he's been asked to pitch a lot more because Michael Lorenzen's been hurt. Jose De Leon has been ineffective. And we haven't really had anybody else in the starting caliber that has jumped up. And as much as I'd love to see it, the only way that the Reds are getting starting rotation help is somebody temporary for this year. Because if you've noticed, Nick Lodello and Hunter Green have continued where they left off in their respective minor league seasons because I know Hunter Green hasn't pitched for a while, but he has looked amazing in his first couple of starts. And Nick Ladello also looked amazing. Those guys are the future. Both of them could be in the rotation. I'd love to see them both in the rotation next year. I definitely think Nick Ladello is in the rotation next year. I don't know about Hunter Green. That's that's if he continues his torrid start. I don't know how you couldn't put him in the rotation next year. But with that being said, Jeff Hoffman's kind of like a placeholder. And I feel like he has started to be exposed in these last couple of outings because early on he struggled, kind of like I mentioned, he struggled all season with that walk rate of 11%. And I think he wanted to mitigate that in his last start. And he got blasted because he stayed in the strike zone as much as he possibly could. He even said that in his postgame interview. He's like, I was too, I was too in the zone. Too much in the strike zone, not like, ooh, zoned in. Like, all of his pitches were too friendly in the strike zone, too easy to hit, and that's why he got killed. So hopefully this is a situation where 
He's not shell-shocked by that. He does challenge some of these Pirates hitters that are quadruple A guys. I don't mean that as an insult. That just kind of is what it is. The Pirates, I mean, Ethan Smith said it on the podcast yesterday. If they cut Gregory Polanco like he thinks is going to happen, their whole entire roster will be making less money than Trevor Bauer. That's where the Pirates are right now. That's why this is a get-right moment for Jeff Hoffman. We will see exactly how much longer Jeff Hoffman will be in this rotation based on what he does against the Pirates tonight. Hopefully they continue to win. My expectation is the Reds go 2-1 and one in this series. I don't think it's a situation where you have to sweep the Pirates, but I also do not think that there's any excuse for losing to this Pirates side. We'll see what happens tonight at 635. All right, like I mentioned earlier, I want to point this out tomorrow on the podcast. Joining me once again is Bronson Arroyo. We're going to talk about his foray into radio broadcasting. Dude, sound like he's been doing it forever. It was his first time up in Cleveland as the Reds took on the Indians. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Wade Miley's no-no, what's going on with Luis Castillo, and more. You're not going to miss it. That's going to be on tomorrow's Locked On Reds podcast. Make sure you're following the podcast. That way you don't miss anything that I've got for you this season. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Locked On Reds and save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone for comments, questions, reactions, whatever you've got. 513-549-0159. But that'll do it for us here today. I'll be talking with you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.